Dr. Leslie Knapp, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're here at the human dimension of risk, perception, behaviour and decision making in risk management conference. You were looking at learning from primates, group behaviour and cooperation. Can we learn from primates or surely they're another species? Well, I think we can learn a lot from primates because, you know, humans are also primates. And what I'm suggesting is that by studying non-human primates, we can learn a lot about ourselves. And you talked, didn't you? You named various animals. We saw slides of fruit flies, mice, cats, chimps, uh, lemurs. What's the best group to study if we want to relate them to our behaviour, humans? Well, I think if we study non-human primates, there are many similarities with ourselves. First of all, genetically, we're very similar to non-human primates. As you might know, chimps are 98% similar to ourselves. And even if we think of studying monkeys or lemurs or some other more distantly related primate, they are genetically more similar to ourselves than cats or dogs or certainly fruit flies. And you showed those lovely slides of, of two male wrestlers and then showed, you know... Uh, two two, uh, male apes and and then the family picnicking and the animals picnicking and and then the day centre and and the animals having their own version of the day centre for for humans. Are we really that closely related? Well, I think when people see animals like primates at the zoo, they always marvel at how similar they look to themselves. If you see a group of chimpanzees rolling around and playing on the floor, it's very often that you say, oh, look, at that looks just like a couple of children wrestling and playing on the floor. We do see ourselves when we look at other primates. And you said the one thing about sort of you're at the University of Cambridge Department of Anthropology, but... uh, your field, you spend a lot of time looking and observing your research. So you, you really just have to look to make those comparisons, draw out those similarities. And it, it must take a long time to reach any conclusion. Well, I study genetics and behavior. So my students and I are often collecting biological samples to study genetics to determine relatedness between primates. And then we also go out into the field to observe the primates. And that takes a lot of patience. You know, Jane Goodall has studied primates in the field for a long time, and she's made it very famous, and it appears very glamorous. And it's not really all that glamorous. We sit out in the dirt and the mud, and we are very patient watching our subjects. Okay, so what drives group behaviour? You, you talked about sort of herding and predators. And, you know, when there's a crisis, animals herd. And, and then, presumably, in risk management terms, humans do the same? Well, that's a really interesting idea. Um, there are many observations of primates mobbing um, predators. And that is thought to be something like herding, the kind of herding behavior that you see in humans, where a bunch of individuals kind of all do the same thing in a moment of crisis. And that is observed very often in primates when uh, gelata baboons, for example, see uh, a predator, they will all mob the predator. But even solitary primates will mob a predator. So, for example, spectral tarsiers who live by themselves in solitary existence or 
gray mouse lemurs who are nocturnal and live solitary lives. If they are in, encounter a predator, they will have an alarm call, and then suddenly a whole load of gray mouse le lemurs will come together and mob a predator. That's herding behavior for sure. And, and you talked about even when there isn't any kin or family where people would stick together, actually there, there is still primate coalitions. And then you went on to talk about how th there's sympathetic responses uh, uh, amongst those coalitions? Oh, there is a lot of observation of coalition formation in a natural population of primates. You know, there are a lot of kin uh, living together. So in a natural population of primates, for example, you would have a lot of female relatives to living together if they were baboons. If you were talking about chimpanzees, you would have a lot of male relatives living together, a lot of kin. So we see coalitions forming among kin in these kinds of social groups. And these kind of social groups, then you see female coalitions in baboons or male coalitions in chimpanzees. But even in unrelated groups of primates, even in captive populations, you still see coalitions forming. This seems to be a nat natural kind of social phenomena. Okay, and, and one of the more Oh, well, the, the more interesting mm -hmm. uh, statement you made at the end was that these groups that you've sat there and observed mm -hmm. in the mud and the dirt mm -hmm. and perhaps hot climates, um, they have a sense of fairness in some primates. You know, and, and the, you know, they're intelligent. You can watch them crack a nut with rocks. Well, there are some very interesting observations that come out of some research that's going on in natural populations. There's a huge new field of study involved in looking at tool use in primates. So there's a huge observation, uh, commu a community of observers now that are seeing things related to tool use and cognition. But also, there have been studies that have shown that in captive animals, in captive studies, Animals, some primates like uh, capuchin monkeys, for example, show that they have a sense of fairness, that when they are taught a task, they expect to be given a reward, and they expect the same reward to be given to their other, uh, their other captive, uh, co-captives, and they think that if the reward is not equitable, they don't want to participate. This idea of the sense of fairness, I think, shows us that, you know, this is not something that we have learned through our own culture, but this is something that's deep and adaptive and probably in our evolutionary past. In that case, the first question you got from the floor at the end of your session, relating what you said to human behavior and risk, people asked if there could be survival advantages in this herding under threat. It, it came to mind to me the, the fire alarm. Mm -hmm. Actually, we all heard mm. and we taught to herd. Mm -hmm. I think that there are some innate responses. There are some biologically important adaptive responses. And one is response to a predator, response to a danger. We know we must do something quick if we hear an alarm. If it's an alarm, a fire alarm, if it's an alarm call that says there's a danger nearby, I think these things are deep inside of us and these are adaptive and these are evolutionarily important. So just finally, 
what's the next thing you'd like to reveal to us about primates? What are you working on? Oh, well, I work a lot on genetics and behavior, and I'm very interested in how animals recognize kin. I'm very interested in things that relate to how an individual knows that they are somewhat related to an individual or very related to an individual and how they make decisions about how they're going to interact with those individuals. That's an interesting question. We can ask another individual, but I'm curious about how they do that without asking. Dr. Leslie Knapp, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today here at the Human Dimension of Risk Conference. I've learned so much. Thank you for your interest.